Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So lately, we have been discussing how a lot of the new data we have seen come out looks very similar to the GFC in 2008. But now we're taking it one step further. We're seeing data that doesn't look just like the GFC. It looks like the 1930s Great Depression. And I wish I was overstating this. I wish I was exaggerating this. Unfortunately, I'm not. Let's go right over to this chart of M2 Money Supply, and you'll see exactly what I am referring to. I just stumbled across this today, and I was like, whoa, this is this is when you kind of, your jaw hits the ground, and you're like, this is a big deal. Like, I didn't realize it was this bad. This chart is, is I, I need to first and foremost give full credit to this website because it is phenomenal. It's longtermtrends.net. I see very few people use this as a resource. But I've actually gone through and checked the sources that they use. And for their M2 Money Supply specifically, I've cross-referenced that with Milton Friedman's book, uh, the A Monetary History of the United States. Josh, can you please confirm that that's the title of the book? It's the one he did with Anna Schwartz. It's, it's Most people, even people that don't like Friedman, recognize that that's like the foremost authority on money supply data in the United States going back to the late 1800s. So I've cross-referenced these charts and the data in long-term trends with Milton Friedman's book that he wrote with Anna Schwartz, and it, it's, it's very consistent. So anyway, let's focus on this black line. The red line is actually CPI, which is another interesting topic. But let's look at this black line. I'm going to go ahead and highlight it here. And right at where my pointer is, it's just the beginning of the Great Depression, and M2 money supply growth rate was a negative 3.42%. Okay, well, let's, and it got to a point where at the depths of the Great Recession, M2 was contracting by over 10% year over year. Now let's fast forward to the GFC, because most people, that's the, the biggest kind of crisis that they have in their memory. That's the biggest crisis they actually lived through. Where we can see, even at the depths of the GFC, M2 money supply growth rate went from 9% year over year down to 1.86%. So even during the GFC, and, and mind you, we had a quarter of deflation. I believe it was Q1, Q2 of 2009, where it wasn't disinflation, it was outright deflation during the GFC. And this is with M2 going down from 9% growth rate to 1.86% uh, year over year, where now we fast forward to today and we are at negative 4%, negative 4.07% money supply growth. Again, this is... 5% worse than the depths of the GFC. And in fact, according to this chart, it has never been negative year over year. It has never been negative year over year since the 1930s and the Great Depression. And today, as we speak, it is negative 4%. Let's move on because the argument there is going to revolve around the labor market. It, the rebuttal is going to be, oh, George, this is just fear porn, fear porn. I love how people just dismiss everything that I say. I sit there and give all these charts and all the facts and all the data, and they, the, they just 
easily dismiss it. They don't give me any facts. They don't give me any charts. They don't give me any data points. They just say fear porn. And if they just title it as that, it's as if none of what I say matters. <laughs> it's like the yield curve doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. None of the data points, none of the facts that I bring to the table actually matter. If you just put it in that bucket of fear porn, that's like the most intellectually lazy thing that I've ever seen anyone do. But getting back to the an actual rebuttal uh, that isn't just fear porn, they're going to say, well, George, the unemployment rate during the 1930s was caught north of 20%. And today, we're very, very strong at 3.8%. And this is true. But you guys know from watching my videos that the unemployment rate is basically a derivative of not just how many people are working, but also the labor force participation. So let's go over to an article from the Wall Street Journal. This is out today. Why America has a long-term labor crisis in six charts. Now, their argument is actually saying that the labor market is going to remain tight because we have all these baby boomers retiring and we haven't had the population to replace them. So there's going to be no one to work the jobs. And since no one's there to work the jobs, the unemployment rate is going to be very, very low because labor force participation is going to continue to decline or stay at historically low levels, even though it's been uh, trending up as of late. It's going to stay below historic levels and therefore fill in the blank, right? Cause inflation, soft landing, no landing, whatever conclusion they want to come to. But notice these charts. So I would totally agree with the demographics here. I mean, you, you can't argue with that. It, pretty much is what it is. And they have this kind of animation that's really cool showing how the baby boomers are moving through uh, the specific age groups and how this bulk of human beings represented by that yellow uh, shaded area is declining rapidly, obviously, as they get older. And so how we're, we're not really filling that up with as many people. And therefore, again, the argument is uh, labor force participation going to go lower, 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 all that's been trending up. And uh, labor is going to be tight. And therefore, unemployment rate under 4% for as long as we can see. Again, I think they're falling victim to this human, this human flaw that we have in our mental hardwiring where we always want to take whatever we have seen recently and just extrapolate it indefinitely into the future. So the labor force participation has been you know, low, unemployment low. Therefore, like the only thing we can see is it remaining the same forever. And therefore, we just kind of cherry pick data to fill the narrative of what our mind sees as most probable. But our mind is playing tricks on us because we're hardwired to just believe that whatever we've seen recently is going to remain with us and we're not going to have any significant change. But I think that's where you get the black swan events. That's, that's the flaw in the old human hardwiring. And that's something that we as humans need to be cognizant of. So they're for, one of the first charts they have, I guess the second chart, is labor force participation. So you can see how the labor force participation, wait a minute here, labor force participation rate for people age 65 plus with no disabilities. Okay, I, I think this is more along, they're claiming that this chart proves their point. I think it proves my point because look at what the labor force participation rate was doing with 65 plus prior to the cerveza sickness. It was going up, meaning 
that people are retiring and they're like, holy cow, I don't have enough money. I thought I was going to have enough purchasing power, but now I don't. So now I'm 80 years old and I got to go back to working at Walmart or I'm 85 years old and I got to get a job at Mickey D's or Target, something like that. I, basically, I have to go back into the workforce. I don't want to, but I'm going to have to work until you know the good Lord decides that it's my time. And that's, this is obviously very unfortunate. But the Wall Street Journal's point is, hey, look at what happened during the Cervasa sickness. This labor force participation just plummeted. So I'm sure they would argue that all these old people that were forced back into getting a job after they retired, now look at the labor market like, no way, I'm scared of the Cervasa sickness. There's no way I'm going back to work. No way, not with the Cervasa sickness. As if they are choosing, as though they have a choice. My point is pretty soon they're not going to have a choice. And whether they're scared of the Cervasa sickness or whatever rationale they had, they're going to come to the conclusion that I have to go back to Walmart. It's not, if I don't go back to Walmart, I can't make ends meet. And so we see this labor force participation. Now they would probably claim it's because of the Cervasa sickness and, and old people just being scared of getting sick. I, yeah, maybe. I think it's more so because of stimmies and everything that we talk about on this channel, their purchasing power increased, their stock portfolio skyrocketed. And they're like, hey, wow, I, I, I don't have to go back to work. I thought I was, but now my stock portfolio is up by 50%. Therefore, if the stocks continue to rise, I don't have to go back to Walmart. I can give my two weeks at McDonald's or whatever. But my, my point is I think that you're going to see this trend quite higher because as we go into a recession, assuming that that's what plays out in 2024, you guys know from watching my videos, usually the market goes down significantly. And if the market goes down, especially with M2 money supply decreasing, and let's go back to that last chart with the long-term trends Look, if you have money supply decreasing, you think that's good for stocks? <laughs> you think that's good for the S&P 500? Absolutely not. The, the, I don't know that you could have anything that's worse for stocks if this continues long term. Now, now, there's a very good argument that this number is misleading because it doesn't necessarily represent the aggregate balance sheet of the U.S. citizen, where back in the 1930s, I would argue that represents the aggregate balance sheet, meaning if you have M2 going down, the overall purchasing power is going down as well. But if you have savings, as an example, that's part of M2 that's being traded for treasuries, you see, and there, then that M2 goes onto the Fed's balance sheet or it just magically disappears because the treasury, the TGA, is paying off the Fed for debt that they have maturing. And this requires kind of a whiteboard video. But the bottom line is you can have M2 money supply go down as a result of that M2 being replaced by treasuries. So if it's being replaced by treasuries, it doesn't really impact the aggregate balance sheet. Therefore, I think there's a good argument that it wouldn't necessarily impact purchasing power. But if you start to see loans and leases go down, another thing that we talk about on this channel all the time, or when you start seeing bank credit go down, wow, Let's go over to chart of bank credit. Let's look at this over the last uh, five years. And you can see, well, actually, if we zoom in the last one year, look at what bank credit is doing. Bank credit over the last year has gone down. It went up, but then it absolutely collapsed, as you would imagine, during Silicon Valley Bank, and it's continued to decline. 
So if you have M2 money supply going down, while at the same time bank credit, especially loans and leases, going down, then you can safely come to the conclusion that this is likely decreasing the aggregate balance sheet, at least the asset side of the aggregate balance sheet, and therefore impacting purchasing power significantly, just like we saw during the 1930s. George, I actually just found a fantastic chart of this. I'm going to pull it up right now of where the XX savings actually is in the economy, if you want to come look at this. Okay, and so let me you can read see that here. the black line is the household incomes 40% and under. And right now, the only XX savings that is still uh, above pandemic levels is the 80%, the 80 percentile of earners. Okay, okay, so the top 20%, uh, so basically rich people. So rich people that didn't really have a problem to begin with, they have not yet burned through the additional savings accumulated from the, uh, the government response to the surveys of sickness. But, but you can the, see that they, the 80 percent, meaning the the poor middle class and even the upper middle class, they have almost completely burned through their savings. And it looks it's like actually the, more than that. Yeah, that the household zero to 40 percent, I can see are negative. Their savings is actually lower. It's actually everything under 80%. So 80% and under is much oh, I lower. I see that. Yeah, the pink is now negative too, isn't it? Yeah. So 0 to 80% now lower. But, you know, the scary part, Josh, is the yellow line is trending down too. Yeah. So although it's still higher, it is going straight down. And this would really explain why credit card debt has exploded higher. Yeah. Wow. Great chart. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So let's just think about this. If we have purchasing power that's actually declining, which most of the data would suggest we have, then this is very, very bad for stocks, especially in an economy that's 70% consumption. And my point here is that going back to what the Wall Street Journal is saying with their article, I would argue that it's the opposite. You're going to have the labor force participation explode higher. And it's most likely going to come from these baby boomers that want to retire, but they can't. They, they don't have a choice. Their stock portfolio is lower. Their purchasing power has been squeezed because they're no, they no longer have additional savings. And now they're making the same or maybe a little bit more with their Walmart job. But the price of what they have to buy daily has gone up way, way, way higher. So their purchasing power overall is a lot lower and they don't have that buffer from the additional savings. And so my point is, let's just assume that the labor force participation is or was at 25, 26% prior to the survey sickness. I don't see 
why it wouldn't go to 30, 35, 40%. So I think that you're going to see the unemployment rate increase for a lot of different reasons. But one of the main reasons is because you're going to have this cohort of 65 plus having to go back into the labor force because stock portfolio down, purchasing power down. And they got to make ends meet. So here they're talking about the birth, U.S. births per 1,000. But, but again, this, this implies that what we've seen lately is just going to continue into the future. And you know, look at what's happening to purchasing power here, guys. Let's dig a little deeper. And you see, especially if you have a recession, show me the last recession that we had where the unemployment rate didn't go up. I mean, it just gets to the point where it's just common sense, for heaven's sakes. And look at this. They say labor force participation overall. And they show how it's still lower than it was during, or, or uh, let's say, the end of 2019. Sure, but look at the trend, guys. Wall Street Journal, look, 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 look. Which way is it going? <laughs> it's going straight up, for heaven's sakes. Just because it's not back to the level that we saw prior to the Cerveza sickness, you can't ignore the fact that the trend is getting there very, very, very fast. And why should we assume that once it gets to this level, let's say 63%, that it's just going to stop and flatline? No, not at all. When you think about the dynamics that have created the increase to begin with, so, meaning purchasing power, your purchasing power is going down. Wages have not gone up at the same rate as inflation. And if the stock market goes down, uh, Mike, forget it. I haven't even talked about the housing market. If that equity starts to decline, then people are going to have less and less and less purchasing power. They can afford less and less stuff. And therefore that's going to make the labor force participation go even higher. And I don't know why it wouldn't go back to call it the, what we saw prior to the GFC, not because people want to go back to work, but because they just don't have a choice. And this is exactly why the labor force participation rate went down because they didn't have to work. And it's exactly why it's, it, it shot up so high. I don't know why, why the, it's such an obvious Thing just staring right at them, like the elephant in the room we always talk about. I don't know. I just don't know why they 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 can't see what seems to be just so, or they won't acknowledge what seems to be so obvious. And so here, what they're talking about? Oh yeah, this is going to put wage pressure, wage pressure, wage pressure, the wage price spiral, yada yada yada. Look, I get it, but again, I think the probability is very high that uh, unemployment goes up, and in that scenario. Think about that. Now you have nominal wages flatlining, if not going down. Well, at the same time, you could have, uh, sure, a short, a short burst of consumer price disinflation or deflation. But then you go right back to, let's say, 2 3% while wages are flat. And that's reducing overall purchasing power to an even greater degree. Number of foreign-born workers. You guys have heard me talk about this. And I, I'm not here to have any opinion or I'm not here to discuss my opinion on illegal immigration. But look, the bottom line is we have massive amounts of people heading for the U.S. border right now as we speak. And I know that because I've got employees that work for me that have friends and family members that are part of this huge, huge, huge group of people that are migrating across Central America right now as we speak. And you say, George, there's always people crossing the border illegally. Yeah, I get that. But you are going to see the amount of people explode higher because they think this is their one opportunity 
to get across the border illegally and get their work permit. And, and again, I know this because I've got employees that are actually right in my apartment right now that work for me that have family members that are sending them videos every single day. And they're showing me these videos of literally hundreds of thousands of people. At least it looks like hundreds of thousands to me. Maybe it's tens of thousands that are part of this massive group that's, that's just moving across Central America. They're in Costa Rica right now. And my point is that if the laws or lack of laws <laughs> stay the way they are right now, that's going to have a wave of people. And if they get in, then all, you know, that's going to encourage and incentivize other people to do the exact same thing. And that's going to increase the amount of labor force going to put downward pressure on wages. Again, not saying that's bad or good. That's for a separate video, but that's just what we need to understand is headed for the United States and the United States going to see that at their border. I would say within a couple months and it's staggering that the mainstream media isn't talking about that. All right. Some incredible stuff. And guys, I can't encourage you to go to longtermtrends.net enough and check out that data on your own. You're going to see numbers that we haven't seen since the great depression. That's the only way to stay it. And that's not hyperbole. That's not fear porn or whatever you want to call it. That's just stating facts. So we need to watch this closely. We need to watch loans and leases. We need to watch bank credit to determine what is happening to the aggregate balance sheet in the United States. And if that balance sheet is decreasing, then we know we've got a situation on our hands that could be very similar to the 1930s Great Depression. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. If you want to see more of the most important recent stories we have discussed right here on this channel, Josh will put them in a playlist right about here, and we'll see you on the next video.